Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Introducing the greatest animated series you've never seen, Lightning Dogs. These canine commandos are lost on a post-apocalyptic Earth and battling the forces of the evil Glampire. <laughs> it's a tribute to the cartoons and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, and Nerdy Show is hell-bent on bringing it to life. Blocks sold separately. Join us as we document our quest from the moment lightning struck to every world-building session and beyond and make our crazy dream a reality. Roll with the pack at lightningdogs.com. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here, back with another episode of Flame On. Today, we are talking pop culture in this world on fire. Cue the Sarah McLaughlin song now. Sorry, I'm not paying for the rights for that. Never mind, never mind. We're not doing I Will Remember You yet. I feel like that's on the progression. Y'all went from here. Y'all went for songs I was not planning on. <laughs> she actually has a song called World on Fire. So uh, oh, nice. That was the one I was going for. Um, and I Will Remember You will be at the end of it all when we have to um, salute the uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have died from this pandemic because of inept uh, leadership. Uh-huh. You, mean, you, mean when, you mean when the gay community finally takes a hint from X-Men and goes to their own island and just <laughs> lets everybody else burn? Oh, Too soon. What? Okay, we have to figure out which island, <laughs> yeah. though. Not Fire Island. Oh. Not Fire Island. Genosha? <laughs> not Genosha. Genosha did not end well. <laughs> no. And honestly, Utopia didn't exactly have a great run either. Does Asteroid M count as an island in space? Um, not when it crash landed. <laughs> no. And became Utopia. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, exactly. Shit. Oh. So, I mean, Krakoa right now seems to be the best option. It, but At least for the next couple thousand years. 
we don't exactly know how this story is being told and what's going to happen. So, hashtag where's Moira? Oh, she's in her little suite. Here's a little suite underneath the ground. Hmm. Well, so yes, yes, she is. She's in her. She's in the no space. Yep. Um, no no square. Krakoa. In her no no place. Um. Timely Alanis Morissette reference. Twenty five <laughs> years of jagged little pill. Uh. <laughs> If you haven't watched the Mad TV uh, spoof called Wash Me, which is a parody of Alanis Morissette's Thank You, go on YouTube and watch it and you'll find out about the Nono Plus. Um, but the funny, the, the fact is that it's becoming more and more obvious that the Dawn of X books are not being written in order. So we don't know which of these X books are taking place at what time because none of the stories seem to coincide with each other. So, it's very interesting. So, we'll see what Krakoa has in store. Thank you, Mr. Hickman. It's very <laughs> refreshing reading your X-Books. And I mean that in, you know, the overall sense. Not necessarily just the ones he's that he's writing. So, anywho, let's talk pop culture. Although, I'm excited to see comics are coming back to a weekly format um, on the Marvel side. Starting, I believe, the Wednesday before this drops. I think now in uh, July, we're back to new comics every week and not every other week so we are going to talk pop culture we've got some great things to discuss with you brian why don't you kick us off with the first topic for the month so i think we talked about or at least mentioned this as a one-up um i watched the netflix documentary disclosure which is all about transgender and uh popular media uh, pretty much the 20th and 21st century, you know, covering that era. Um, it does have roots that go pretty far back in the 20th century. So, you know, if you obviously, you know, listening to this, you probably know, you know, about the transgender community, even if you don't have a transgender that you know of contact or friend. Um, this at this Netflix documentary is so refreshing and interesting and, and informative uh, for many different individuals, even some within the transgender community, learning about all of the uh, representation that is has been throughout you know these last hundred odd years of popular media, um, and it has put the transgender community that is in Hollywood and other you know sort of uh, adjacent media at the forefront, telling their stories. So, you know, I certainly learned quite a lot um the i think preponderance of the screen time is from laverne cox uh which rightfully so because she's i had heard her i think in passing and i had read some of her um you know stuff in media but hearing her for the for a lot of the documentary just talk about her life and her struggle and her career uh and how eloquent and just like uh, so many interesting ideas and things that she communicates in such a beautiful way. I, I really fell in love with her. Uh, and I, I, I didn't watch Orange is New Black. I know, uh, Pat, you watched uh, all of it. and I, I, I dipped in here and there, occasionally would watch a little bit. But um, just so, so, so good. She's just so good. Um, there are... She's also the, it's it's her project. Okay, that right? explains. I believe she's the, yeah. executive, the executive producer. Yeah, for she's the, the executive producer of it. I, I knew yeah, that so. uh, Sam Fetter was sort of one of the runners, and I knew Laverne 
was yeah involved in it. But that 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 explains a little bit. I mean, but she's she's good. Like you know, it's not a vanity project at all. Um, and it's just so good because they do focus on both trans men and trans women and their different roles in Hollywood for better or for worse. And there's a lot of worse. So they also don't shy away from that. You get honest reactions to sort of moments like the crying game for a bad example. But it's interesting because in some, at least one of the cases, one of the people they interview, and I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, the crying game, even as bad as it is in terms of like, you know, painting a stereotype of trans women as being, I don't know, deceitful, let's say, it also isn't like some people who are in the trans community were like, oh, that that's there's me there. I'm up there on the screen. There's representation there, even if it's not, you know, maybe the one I want. Um, so, you know, it's it's not the transgender community. What I've realized is it's a diverse community as anything, as any part of society. And so you're not going to get the same message from the same people, like everybody. It's not going to be the same. So um, another great story from this that I really enjoyed is um, Sandy uh, Caldwell, Sandra Caldwell, who I had seen in, gosh, I don't know how many different things, and I had no idea that she was trans, nor would I want, nor would I need to. Like, there's no really, you know, need if, you know, one-on-one, like, oh, she's an actress. Okay, great. She's an actress. Doesn't matter. But she actually came from the ballroom community way back and sort of after a point went underground and went not underground just just stopped making it a thing that she talked about openly so she could have a more traditional career in hollywood when they may be opposed to hiring a transgender woman as an actress so you know having her talk about coming out and being able to be comfortable now talking about her being transgender was also very touching and moving and just like oh my gosh this is just so awesome that she now has this, you know, life. And she, she she's not only a very well-respected actress, but she's also now a very well-respected trans woman actress. So, um, so many stories like that. Her story was kind of one of the ones that um, hit me a little bit differently in the sense of, like, from, from all of the stories that were being told, only because I had never heard the term stealth. Um, and it's something that's now... It, it, I mean, obviously, we all know what stealth is. You know, you try to fly under the radar. You're trying not to, you know, do these things. But that was the whole reason why, you know, like you, like you said, Brian, you see her as an actress. You see her in things and you never knew because she was cis-passing, that she was able to just look like a woman without any issue. So she felt that in order to be able to keep her career on track and to do what she wanted to do, she couldn't embrace that part of it. That's why she stepped away from ballroom, you know, because she couldn't be associated with it. Otherwise, she risked being exposed in that sense and and not being able to do it on her own terms. And then for her to kind of, as trans representation was becoming a little bit more of the focus, when you have somebody like Laverne Cox on Orange is the New Black and things of that nature coming really to the forefront, in media for her to then take on the role of a trans woman and that be like the the stepping stone to come out and to really just i I mean at that point you're basically not just coming out and maybe it's in like one little magazine or whatever or in a facebook post and hey this is my my truth this is my story but to basically be put out in front of everybody in that respect and say 
I'm taking this role as a trans woman because I am a trans woman. Like that really kind of hit me in a much different place than like than some of the, these other stories. They're all amazing stories, but that one was just so. It spans such an an amazing amount of time to see her have to live this live this one truth that she thought she had to in order to be able to survive and thrive and now to see her be able to really kind of reclaim who she is it, it really was nice to see yeah and they also fe- feature other like you know trans men actors uh chaz bono of course gets a little bit of a little bit of a story not not too much uh leo shang who if you have not seen the l world l word reboot generation q is a trans male character on that show that's got a really good refreshing storyline considering the l word as they depict in this documentary really screwed up in terms of trans representation in uh in the first iteration uh you know as much as they i think we're trying to not you know, trying to do whatever but the l word the current l word has got a really just believable down-to-earth story that uh he gets to feature in um you know lily wachowski who i I had heard about the Wachowskis' uh, journey, uh, both of them, uh, transitioning to, um, uh, I forgot uh, Lily's sister's name, um, but, but the creators of The Matrix, and how The Matrix is, in, interestingly enough, a, a trans sort of uh, parable, or uh, there, there's, there's, an, there's a metaphor there that they were really enamored with, uh, and I had you know, never considered that of it. Although, you know, I think people had kind of talked about it, but just thinking back and reflecting with her on it was, was really cool. Um, yeah. And the, the matrix, there was um, a couple of people I know were talking about the fact that some of the, um, there is a, a bit of gender queerism with the, um, the programs, not the, not the technically they're not human, but uh, there's like some parallels in like how people, view uh, being genderqueer and how the programs view themselves where some of them might just uh, refer to themselves just by name hmm. um so it's yeah there's there's just there's just little hints of it in there sprinkled around um yeah so i don't know it's 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 like i said it, any anyone should want to inform themselves about this i think especially anyone in the lgbt community uh so we can better be uh you know good and informed representation uh, and and advocates for all, for everybody in our community, but um, it's entertaining. So don't don't go into this thinking it's this daunting, uh, sad. It, it's got moments of, of sadness, but overall, it's very positive. It of course touches on Pose and the rise of the show, a show in you know our culture now that is front and center, made by and about trans individuals in the ballroom community. Uh, and so and, oh yeah, I'm oh no I'm I'm glad that you brought pose up for a second because um i do want to also point out the fact that the documentary so this is gonna this is gonna take a, a quick tangent for this this recording so it does bring up pose showing a growth and a progression of ryan murphy because one of the things that they they talk about and they show in this documentary is the misuse and the misrepresentation in Ryan Murphy's show Nip Tuck. And it um I appreciated the fact that they also called out they they didn't just call out the the misrepresentation, but they called out his growth to then have a show that is 
utilizing a much better representation such as pose because in a world where cancel culture is predominant and i want to i i thought about this earlier today and i want to point this out because i've said it on this show i'm not a huge proponent of cancel culture but there's also been a weaponization against it and i want to make sure that people like jk rowling and those others are it's not the same when i say that i'm against it i am against just outright canceling somebody for for first infraction let's say in things of this nature when you're going to grow and you want to create art and you're going to do all these things you may make a mistake and you may not always show in the best light you want to do the most research you can you want to have the best kind of um overall vision out there but if you make a mistake you make a mistake if people call out the fact that you made a mistake or people feel that this representation or, or or something that you've done does not shine a good light on it take that appreciate the the knowledge grow reflect and and change if you do that i don't see a need for people to be canceled however <laughs> how the fuck ever if you do something and people say hey this isn't right or hey this is misrepresenting an entire community or this is whatever and you double the fuck down then cancel your ass cancel your ass i'm fine with that i just am not a i i personally am not a proponent of somebody makes a mistake they're dead in the water people make mistakes we're humans we're fallible as long as you plan to grow from it then I see that I see the ability to grow and to change. The person I was growing up isn't the person that I'm I am as an adult, and it's not the person as an adult right now that I'll be in ten or fifteen years. God willing, this planet doesn't you know blow up. Um, but that's that's a big thing, and I like the fact that they were able to showcase both sides of that coin in Ryan Murphy's portrayal um, in in Nip Tuck versus Ryan Murphy's portrayal. And honestly, even in Glee and some of the stuff that's represented in there, like his progression may not be as quick as people would want. But over the past 20 years, from Nip Tuck to Pose, that progression has gotten a lot better. And he's a gay man. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like saying that, okay, well, if you're part of this community, you're immune from from having a magnifying glass put on you. This is what we this is what we see. These are the things that. Well, yes, you know, it is great to see representation, period. You know, I, I think it might have been Laverne Cox that said it or, or multiple, multiple people said, I didn't appreciate, I see that there's problems with this, but I appreciate seeing myself there, like you were saying before, Brian. So, you know, let's not think that, okay, everything has to be immaculate when done. Do it with the most respect, the utmost respect and the utmost knowledge that you have. But if people want to inform you more or say hey maybe you should look at this and and educate yourself a bit more then take that advice and grow from it back to your regularly scheduled podcast the more you know but um but yeah pose has got such a a huge place right now in culture and thankfully it's coming back for third season and uh it's another show that is definitely evolving throughout its journey and and getting better at communicating what it is about ballroom that's special and, and focusing on their transgender characters more than maybe the first season did. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I was glad that they included that with Ryan Murphy as well. Having talked about Ryan Murphy a lot and how, you know, he, he listens. He's not one of these uh, uh, 
producer, creator, head writers that just, you know, does his thing and that's it. He's brought in a lot of great you know people to work with and, and has brought up people to highlight. So, uh, yeah, no, go check this out. It's really quick. It's like an hour and a half, I think, maybe maybe two. But, you know, if you, like, if you don't like documentaries, well, sorry, it's a documentary. But um, I think it's worth all, all, all anyone who might be even a slight bit interested in this topic should really, you know, use this as a great jumping off point and then, you know, find out more about other transgender individuals in the, in the documentary and, and, you know, do your research and, uh, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it. I don't know if we're, are we doing flame ratings for these things? I don't remember how we do. Nah. nah. <laughs> All the flames. All, flames. All the flames. flames. It's on fire. Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's what's her, no. it's what's her name. The, the woman that she, uh, that the, uh, Christians, um, uh, betrayed and set her on fire. I can't remember her name. Joan of Arc. Thank you. It's oh. Joan of Arc. <laughs> that can be a flame rating. <laughs> wow. Joan of Arc realness. Wow. <laughs> I give it three Joan of Arcs. That is Disclosure, currently on Netflix. Go check it out. Um, and I implore all members of the LGBTQIA plus community um, to take about an hour and a half an hour 45 somewhere in there and um and just sit down and watch it it, it definitely shows you a, a side of things that you may not have ever kind of considered because it's not your experience but learning other people's experiences or how we grow as a society so it's uh it's definitely definitely worth a watch all right uh let's do a quick little uh, nugget of a topic since we are on uh, the Netflix train right this moment. Topic nuggies. Topic nuggies. I love chicken, topic chicken nuggies. nuggies. We get a little baby Yoda in here holding chicken a little nuggies. <laughs> chicken nuggies. Sweet and sour sauce. Topic nuggies. <laughs> so it recently, and by recently, uh, I think two days before we are sitting here recording this, was announced that Netflix will not continue... The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina after <laughs> after this last part airs later this year. So we get, I think, five parts total? Uh, uh, four. Is it four total? It's, oh, okay. it's four total. So I guess season one technically was parts one and two. Correct. And then parts three and four are season two. Gotcha. Okay. I, I couldn't remember if I had watched the fourth one or if this was the fourth one coming up. So yeah. So two full seasons, four parts. And um, it is, uh, it's not coming back after that, which has been a bit of a, a running trend with certain shows that are not full-out Netflix properties, um, yep. intellectual property, I should say, that after about two seasons uh, or so, they, they get the axe. What do you guys feel about this? I feel it, like I know what you guys are going to say, but it, tell me it anyway. Usually, it usually comes, actually, some uh, there was a couple of news articles that were looking it over. And this sort of thing happens when it's time for uh, new contract negotiations. So they'll have the actors signed for two seasons. Um, however, they split those seasons up on however the show's um, put together. But then once they get to the second set of contract negotiations, then usually Netflix is like, mm, let me check my wallet. Nah. Um, so uh, it, it breaks my heart a little bit. Um, because the show has been really good. Uh, I've never, like, even if uh, even if a season is weak, it's only weak because the either the previous season was just that good or 
Um, I'm just excited that we actually get to have some sort of an ending. Um, and we will get to see the Eldritch Terrors. Uh, we're getting a little bit more cosmic horror, which I'm beyond excited about. Uh, I'm bummed massively because uh, one of the showrunner, uh, the showrunner, I believe, went online and said that that we will not get our Riverdale um, uh, Sabrina crossover. Uh, and they said that it was going to be called Witch War. Uh, and it was going to be like a half a season, probably a whole part of, uh, I guess, part five. Um, wow. So that that break it, that really does break my heart because the show has been has performed wonderfully to me. Um, so I'm going to miss it and I look forward to binging the hell out of it. A uh, re- couple of rewatches over and over again. Absolutely. Eric, what are your thoughts on Sabrina being no more after part four? I mean, I only ever watched the first part of the first season. And... <laughs> Don't feel Not that bad, I didn't Eric. Like it. I'm, it's just, it's just, I'm right it's just there one with of you. those things that just kind of it just drops off for me. Um, I I liked the show. I thought it was really well done. I thought all the characters were engaging. Um, but yeah, it just it, it just stinks that <sighs> more sci-fi TV being erased well not erased and i was like was there a statue somewhere that's getting toppled <laughs> the ultimate nullifier oh. is just out of existence i mean did the bahamut statue ever get toppled or did they add it somewhere because remember there's that whole thing with the bahamut oh, statue Baphomet? yeah Baphomet, sorry uh, <laughs> i've gone final fantasy i was gonna say like wait there's a bahamut <laughs> statue I thought you. I thought you were saying the Baja Men statue. <laughs> the Baja oh, Fresh. Completely different no. one. No, why? <laughs> who? 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 They're the Eldritch Terror that will never die. <laughs> Could you imagine if that's the final Eldritch Terror that they have to face? <laughs> you've you've said their name too many times. The memories are coming back, Mom. <laughs> Brian, what's your take on uh, after the one part that you watched? I mean. I likewise am sad, but it sounds like it might have a decent enough run, and hopefully it gets people interested in the Archie comics that it's based on. Not the maybe original Archie comics it's uh, distantly based on, <laughs> but the series that kind of got lost. I don't even know what's going on with with uh, Robert Hack doing the art, and uh, oh Hack, yeah, and uh, uh, Robert took care of whatever his name the three three the, the man with three names. Uh, Sagara, like I, I want that to come back. I maybe they'll focus on that again, and people will check it out. Uh, you know when comics. I was gonna well, say it wasn't didn't that only have like six issues. Yeah, well, but it was so good. No, it was like ten or <laughs> ten or eleven. But oh. I, I remember asking like Robert, um, uh, the artist when we were in New York Comic Con. You know when I, I think the only time I've seen him at a show, and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm not trying to be that you know guy but when's uh when's the next issue and you know he's like well you know roberto roberto uh is is really busy with the netflix series so he hasn't had a lot of time and energy to focus on the uh, comic uh and he does riverdale too so i mean it's like he's got a lot of oars out there but i mean you know it's a it was a great great comic that this whole thing came from so anyway i don't know and and the other good thing is it frees up michelle gomez to do something even true. more magical with her next project, which I'm I'm ready for. So, I did read that they are going to continue the Sabrina series as a comic post show. Oh. 
I, that yeah. good. also kind of makes more sense too i guess it's kind of like uh how buffy went into season eight in comic right after uh chosen aired so that's good all right moving into our next topic eric why don't you talk to us about your topic for this month um so i just watched a movie that came out yesterday Give me Whoa, so oh i know so quick i know oh, it just came out yesterday yeah and i just found out about it yesterday <laughs> i haven't uh, heard about timing. it yet. <laughs> right uh took a trip down to palm springs uh i'm um, traveling is discouraged right now eric you. just for <laughs> recreation i'm just saying i've <laughs> um, got some western exposure um you know um no it's the it's the adam sandberg um Kristen Milotti. Is that how she pronounces it? Miliati. 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 Um, rom-com. The mother, Tracy. <laughs> yes. She will always be the mother to me. Um, the girl with the yellow umbrella, right? Aww. Um, no, it's their rom-com, I guess, Groundhog Day-inspired uh, kind of time loop uh, movie. Why are you making that face, Pat? I just okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just now because it like it makes me then think back to like Happy Death Day, which I know isn't a rom com, but it kind of is a rom com. It's horror. kind of a rom com. It kind of is a rom com. <laughs> but basically, uh, the two meet at a wedding, and they end up kind of hooking up after. Um, but through a series of events. She follows him into a cave and gets stuck in an infinite time loop where they have to relive the day over and over and over again. Um, So while Groundhog Day was kind of the same premise, his was his time loop was solved by him just becoming a better person, you know, uh, and treating everybody nice. But theirs is solved a little different. Um, and there ends up being a third person trapped in the time loop with him, them, uh, J.K. Simmons, who is not very happy about it, and he's con- <laughs> he's constantly basically hunting Adam Sandberg, Andy Sandberg, for trapping him in the time loop. So is it wrong that I times. would? I'm rooting for J.K. Simmons at all in this. <laughs> is it wrong that every time you keep going to say J.K. Simmons, I keep thinking you're going to say J.K. Rowling, and I get really nervous? <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong that I'm rooting against she who not who shall not be named? She ends up hitting him with a cop car. Oh God! Yeah. Spoilers. Ah, you don't know the context. I, I literally do not. Care. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me if I'm going to watch this movie, and the answer may surprise you. Actually, does, does she bust watch. out a ukulele and sing "Lovey and Rose" at any point in time? She oh, does not. That'd be nice. Damn it. Does J.K. Simmons have like a moment where he's an intense music instructor? No. Or a television personality, <laughs> formerly a newspaper editor, hunting a adolescent boy dressing in spandex? No. Oh, damn. Well, there it goes. <laughs> Not watching. These seem like very specific questions. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I look forward to seeing the news article that you're in. Um, but yeah, it's a fun, touching movie that kind of looks at what is the meaning of everything what's the purpose yeah just fall in love or not 
I thought I thought that the the moral of the story was don't follow people you don't really know into caves. Good lesson. Well, I mean, <laughs> she was trying to help him because he had been shot by two arrows. I mean, if I had followed that rule, I would not have had a good time at Western Exposure when I went. So. <laughs> <laughs> when Eric said Western Exposure before, I really did, was just like, oh, you went to that event? Okay. <laughs> no, I have not been. Uh, I've never been to Palm Springs. Neither have I. It's I have nice. friends that live there now, though, so I should go take a visit when the world isn't on fire. We should all we should all take a trip to Western Exposure whenever it comes back, if it ever comes back. Is that the event where they were having the whole, you don't have enough representation, or you don't have a good, uh, was that the event that got Fair World all spun up in that article? Or? No, I need you to I need you to narrow that conversation down, because that's a lot of them. <laughs> well, no, um, there, was, there was the Bear no, World no, article, no. like, like it's, it's Bear Week. Bear Week, yeah. sorry. Bear Week in Provincetown. Yeah. But Western Exposure did release a statement stating okay. that they that it is on their for, that it is it is on their minds and they're like, if we're fucking up, just tell us. <laughs> That's fair. So. Okay. I just I just remembered it coming up recently somewhere. I was like, I would like it to be known that Bearbus also put out a statement. Yes. This is just true. Just letting y'all know this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm 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 doing this to the camera as if people <laughs> listening right now can can see me doing the the he's finger. Got, eyes. He's got two fingers up. <laughs> They're not his middle ones. Uh, oh <laughs> no! See, I was gonna have them assume that. <laughs> no, but Palm Springs is good. Everybody should watch it. It's fun. It's light sci-fi. Very nice. And that is uh, that is on Hulu currently. Just premiered. I'd give it uh, three and a half. It's solid. Ooh, it's entertaining. Three and a half solid Joan of Arcs. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have fun with this. <laughs> On our Halloween episode, it has to be like three out of four witches. Ah, so, there you go. Oh. See, all things burning. You see, but you have to you have to clarify. Be like Salem witches, because otherwise you just think of you know like we'll, we'll go pointy with hats and black robes. We'll go with a theme of people who were who were wronged. <laughs> Three out of five practical magic witches. Are I they was all thinking more Angelica Houston. <laughs> I'm oh, thinking God. from Coven myself. Ah. <laughs> See, we all have different witch uh, reference points, so it's good. Or, we can, we'll just... or the witch with the two W's or two V's. Oh, you know what? I'm proud of her. She did so well for herself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she possessed a goat and everything. She she got her butter. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not seen The Witch, which I don't know if all of us have, it I just watched it for the first time last year for Halloween. Oh my god, that movie will mess you up. It is it is intense. It's wonderful. It is great. That's the, so it's the witch with two V's instead of a W. Yeah, yeah, it's the Robert Eggers who did the Lighthouse with uh Pattinson and William Defoe, which is also an intense movie but for a totally different reason, mainly homoeroticism. <laughs> yeah. But the witch is just intense period horror thriller. It's it's good. Wait, did you mention Willem. 
Defoe! Willem. Defoe! Willem. Defoe! <laughs> Where is Josh when I need him? He's the only other one that appreciates that. Is that, doing, race, is that a race chasers thing? I feel like it's a race chasers thing. Doing no, millennial things. Uh, it's how I met your mother. It's when uh, they go to the hoity-toity party uh, instead right. of going to robots versus wrestlers. So Ted goes. Ted wants to go to the hoity-toity party, and um, Marshall is talking to one of the hoity-toity party goers, and he's like, "You ever notice how uh, Willem Dafoe's name sounds like a, a frog and a." Bird, like says Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. I just had a realization. This is so off topic. I love it. Uh, you're saying hoity-toity is my version of uh, old timey. Old timey. <laughs> I just made this hoity-toity. realization. <laughs> However, I say hoity-toity much less. Then you say old I don't think I've ever heard you say it because I feel like if I had, I would have realized this already. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I could have said, you know, a posh party. Posh I like. Posh is good. But then it makes me think of Victoria Beckham and, you know, oh, well. it's a whole different thing. Anywho, <laughs> so that is Palm Springs currently on Hulu. So go check it out. Senor BJ, what is your topical topic um so uh just about two or three weeks ago um was uh hbo max was launched uh max and for those of you like me who made apparently a smart decision i don't i don't know how i stumbled into this but uh if you signed up for dc universe uh, for the annual, uh, for annually, like when it was up for pre-order, check your email because I got an email stating that because I have uh, annual renewal for DC Universe, I get HBO Max for $5 a month for like nine months. I believe it's nine or six months. Um, so because, you know, I live in Florida and it's a garbage state and everything's open and I don't want to die. Um, I bought HBO Max uh, to keep myself busy through some self-quarantine action. And uh, holy fucking shit, it's got content forever on launch. Uh, You have, uh, when you go through the UI, there's a hub of different properties that they have access to. There's a, uh, I believe it's an AMC Classics or an AMC THC. No, that's from Lee. TMC. Um, TMC, thank you. <laughs> but not TMZ. <laughs> not TMZ. And definitely, definitely not SheMZ. Oh, no. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You've got a, but you've got a Crunchyroll hub where apparently they have signed a contract with Crunchyroll. You've got a DC Universe hub where the, all anything that's come from DC Universe or any DC property or movie that's where that's going to be. Can we can uh, we talk about that for a second? Because I just want to point sure. it out. When I saw Crunchyroll as a partner, I was very excited. I've been paying for Crunchyroll for a while. However, Same. unlike other content providers, I think DC being maybe one of them, Crunchyroll selection is like eight titles. It is yes. pretty minimal. And so even though I totally agree they've got a, good, a bunch of great content at launch, it's because they've taken like all these other services and said, hey, give me like 
a half dozen of your best shows or your of the shows you want us to show, you know, and then serve them up. So it's good, but it can be a little disappointing. But it's got all it's, the HBO it, stuff too. So. Yeah, it's so you've got HBO, you've got, um, I mean, there's Doctor there's, Who. There's, you've got all of Doctor Who, all of like New Who from 2005 to current, which is fantastic. Yep, a- absolutely fantastic. For those of us yeah, who don't already yeah. have it all somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but so you've got, you've got Dr. Who, um, it's just, it's a lot. You've apparently got, you've got classic episodes of Looney Tunes and, and new ones. you've got new episodes of Looney Tunes in the original art style. Uh, I guess I can't remember the specific animator, but the very original art style, um, is, is the newer episodes. Um, so it's, it's, it, there's a lot. There's actually, there's, uh, there's kid shows. They've already got a, uh, kids option when you make multiple profiles, uh, to put that profile under the kids profile. Um, but they, uh, like I literally spent a day just favoriting things because you, you also, I haven't had HBO for a very, very, very long time. My grandparents had it and I would always have access to it when I went to go visit them. So I didn't realize how many newer movies uh, were on there. And because it's HBO, you've got a really good selection of classic and newer movies. Uh, I sat down and watched Scoob, uh, finally. How is that? Uh, I will actually be talking about that as my one-up. Oh, um, excellent. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I have been binging uh, Legendary. Legendary, uh, Legendary. Legendary. I hate that uh, song, by the way, because it's really <laughs> shitty, but it gets in your head. Every Which uh, I would just like to say that was homophobic. What? <laughs> what? That wait, okay, sorry. Are that you, was homophobic. See, you're pointing to the left for <laughs> me. I'm pointing I'm pointing behind. <laughs> Where are you? Um <laughs> what was homophobic? That that voguing was homophobic. Oh come on! Uh, I just watched the one about old style last night, and I learned so I'm, much. I was like, "I'm I'm sorry, but that's a chop." Oh uh, come sorry. on! Oh, bring it, girl. Chop, bring it. Chop, chop, <laughs> chop, chop. So, um, yeah. Okay, so, real quick, real quick, BJ. Before you start talking legendary, okay. Have you favorited Insecure? Yes, yes, I have. Cause, bitch, if you do <laughs> not go and fucking watch Insecure. <laughs> I'm coming to your house and slapping the shit out of you. I read the book that it's based off of. And so I just have to be in the mood to be read for filth in that manner. Um, Because we are four seasons in. And I need somebody to fucking know what I'm talking about when I say (laughs) when I talk about this shit. Um, Anywho, back to Legendary. But but no, uh, so it is, uh, I believe its executive producer is Jamila Jamel, who played Tahani on The Good Place. Y'all. She is also one of the judges. Y'all. And uh, we've got Law Roach as a fashion designer. Stylist. He is a stylist. stylist. I want to point this out because he is very Thank opinionated. You. And even though I'm sure he has great fashion sense, he is a stylist. He's got okay fashion sense. I will. Um, <laughs> uh, we have usually have a guest judge in the because it's five judges. Which I, is five judges the magic number for like a reality show? Well, it's an odd number, so you don't have to worry about a tie. True, which I think, which is pretty smart on their uh, their ground. And we've got uh, Megan T. Stallion, Megan the, Megan the, the T. Stallion. Stallion. Uh, okay, and she's a music artist. I feel 
I feel like your black card is being revoked as you say that. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna get to that in a second. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get get to that in just a minute. Are we gonna, are we gonna bring it to the, bring it? <laughs> and we wrong we, way, wrong way. <laughs> we've got my, actually is she, my huh? Is she a? I, is she a consistent judge? I've only seen the first episode because that was free on HB, um on YouTube. Is she is she one of the consistent yes. judges? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, She's uh, Jamila, uh, Leomi, Law, and Megan are the are the consistent judges, and then you okay. have a guest judge, which is the fifth one, Leomi. Um, Leomi. Le- uh, and I. She is my favorite judge. Yes. Because I guess she comes from. The current ballroom scene? I can't with you. What? I can't with you. What? Oh my god. I can't. We I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to go away from we this. We need oral here because every time, and I think I even text him this, every time I watch that show, I just remember him telling me about ballroom for the first time, and it was so interesting, and I want to hear his take. No offense, BJ. I, want, I like to hear your take. Oh, no, that's fine. But I really want to know someone like... Like, Oral has known about Ballroom so long and has been so, like, affected and influenced by it. I, I want to know his, like, you know... Anyway. Don't say... I, don't say I infected. Need... <laughs> affected. Affected. Not infected. Um, I just want to hear him read BJ to Phil for that. being like... For, for saying Leomi. Leomi. Megan T. Stallion. <laughs> Listen. He, he can, you know what? He can he can he can read me for filth on his uh on his little side episode. Um, I need to get the two of you and I want you to do the I wanna I wanna play back like this audio for him and I want him to react to he it. He needs a reaction video. Like he needs to be a face on the screen and just Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Okay, uh, so yeah, so back to Laomi. Um, but I like her the most because... Th- so, the only exposure I think most people have had to ballroom culture really is Pose, um, uh, Paris, Paris is Burning, and Legendary. And the I Queen. Really think, and the Queen. Well, so the Queen, not as much. Exactly. The Queen is what spawned the ballroom culture oh well so the the so the queen and just as as a heads up to everybody here and everybody listening so the documentary the queen what happened was that um queens of color taking part in the pageants they were very much discriminated against they were very much um just kind of there and looked over so when um when all of that transpired, when they finally were fed up with all of that, they created something for themselves. And that's where ballroom comes from. That's what it stems from. So um, if you're thinking about it chronologically, you would have something like you have the queen and then that spawned um, the ballroom culture that was then documented in Paris is burning, which then was the culture that pervade society for uh, during that pose is set in so it kind of it's almost kind of linear for those three things and then legendary is now the current you know 20 2010 2020 exactly and and that's the thing is so there's a big gap in how that culture has been presented there's a big gap in 
like what people because because what's funny to me is that you have rupaul's drag race you've got drag queens you've got all these things that have been strongly influenced by ballroom culture um or, or even, outright stolen from it or outright stolen like um like modern day fashion fashion runaway uh, uh rupaul <laughs> rupaul but but you have all these but you have all these things that have Wait kind a of Circle back for a second. What did RuPaul steal? Uh, a lot from dra- uh, from ball culture. You're also talking about a person who was part of the underground well, dragon. She was scene. underground club kid scene, but I don't think she was a dra- uh, a, a ballroom queen. Was she, she mean she? She's her, her roots and her ties. That's you know kind of intermingled with I'll, that. I'll give you that. that. Like scene. she's from the same or similar communities, but I do think that drag i mean the drag has been a part of ballroom off and on but like i see rupaul somewhat more shamelessly uh uh, borrowing things madonna would have been probably like one of the first that people know about who absolutely stole from the the sole vogue and voguing from the ballroom scene actually i think vogue itself did no 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 vogue the magazine is what inspired voguing. Voguing and people to, okay. because the, that angular style. I mean, they you saw the episode like the old 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 what's it called old way voguing or old yeah old style old, old way. style like they talk about it like it was vogue and martial arts originally and that's what for, kind of forms old style voguing and then the more modern voguing is more not it's less angular more bending feminine uh, but anyway so yeah lots of culture has come from ballroom. And one of the dancers, one of the ballroom dancers was Madonna's backup dancer. He was talking about voguing in the ball scene and she wanted him to choreograph uh, for her for the, and did the song. And then, and he's in the video. He did all the choreography and all of that. Is that yes. Was? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, House of Ninja, which is now featured in Legendary. Yeah. Correct. Um, and then that then turned into becoming a mainstream thing, which, again, it's co-opted. And I don't think it was intended to be stolen, but it was appropriated and then culturally given significance to Madonna, as opposed to giving the proper accreditation yeah. as to where it should go. And so it's one of those weird, like, the intent isn't bad, yeah, but our cultural response to yeah. it is it's, misplaced. Yes, and it's and that's what I mean. That's it's it's in watching legendary, and then going and watching something that has evolved. Because legendary to me, to put to put it this way, legendary to me and the ballroom scene to me is like Latin is to modern languages. I like that. So so, but the ballroom scene to me is like what everything kind of came from, but we've never really had ballroom as a main, there wasn't like a ballroom uh, reality show competition before RuPaul's Drag Race. We had RuPaul's Drag Race before we had Legendary. Right. Which is, which is mentally to me watching it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's like learning something new that you recognize. And, it's the, that's why I've lo- I'm not even going to try and say her name now. Y'all have y'all have destroyed my confidence. Um, <laughs> Leone. 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 Think about like a think about a Florida or not a Florida Florida like <laughs> that's a whole different skank. Uh, think about a think about a flower a flower a lay flower 
a lay. Lay, okay. Laomi. Lay, 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 Laomi. Um, and having her there, and I love, I love, 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 love Jamila so much because they film her being like, what am I looking for? I am new to this, which is the perfect kind of position for me. Because while I know about it, I don't know the history. I don't know the specifics. I don't know specifically what I'm supposed, what I, as a consumer, am supposed to be looking at. So having Jamila there, going to Laomi and being like, "Hey, you know this. You understand this better than me." And it's it's something that I really appreciate that happens. It's just a little thing that happens in the episodes. Um that helps me it, it helps me catch up um and i really really that's one of the things i really really love about the show is i feel like i'm catching up on a piece of my own culture um and uh the guest judges so far i mean i think i'm on episode 7 um so the guest judges so far have been really have been really nice we should talk about really... dominique jackson's guest judge <laughs> because if you're not uh so dominique is from pose uh she plays electra and she also yep. comes from the ballroom community as well um but maybe a little less so than naomi like she was in laomi sorry i said naomi now wow it's, it's infectious <laughs> it, it literally is infectious um but no so uh she was a guest judge on episode three circus berserkus which is basically because uh, we haven't really talked about what ballroom is, and again, you should go out and check these primary sources, but effectively there's a theme for each episode, and within that theme there are different walks, whether it's a solo or a group family walk or house walk, I guess. Um, but uh, circus, you know, clowns, weird uh, shenanigans, circus type, anyway. Uh, and Dominique uh, was very much her character in the uh, judging. Uh, so much so that I, I got the sense that people were getting a little tired of her grandstanding. A little bit. A little bit. You, and and that's one of the things about, because from what I've seen just from the documentaries I've watched, ballroom judging isn't, it's not as formulaic as a lot of the judging you see for reality shows. So there's opinions. There's a lot of opinions. And it's a raucous and atmosphere. Like the crowd is so interactive. There's a, there's a live crowd. There's people booing when when a judge says something that they don't like, and that's but that's something you've seen in the documentaries for ballroom, and it's it's interesting because the thing is when see when you have season one of a reality show, it, there's there's less for, there's less formula, there's less commercialism. It's a lot of people are trying to figure out how can I market this before they approach the show with like marketing deals and stuff like that it's on a streaming service there's there's a lot of different variables for this show but i appreciate how raw it seems and how raw it can actually get and even when a judge missteps um you know or tries to kind of drama it up and that's not really the kind of show you're in because they're all going to tell you to sit your ass down um, yeah, it's very loose, and I don't like that at times. I feel like they, they kind of are learning as they go, um, because there are definitely moments where it feels like they they shoot a lot of footage, because you've got the runway coverage, you've got the backstage watching the runway coverage, you've got this like 
they, they basically do like this like consulting with the uh, designers and choreographers each house yes. gets to like work with it. so you got shooting for that type and there's like what six or seven or eight houses like from the beginning like, yeah, at the start, there's eight, there's eight houses, and they don't eliminate anybody in the first episode. Um, so it's it's uh, yeah. a lot of footage to rein into an hour per episode, and so there are times where I think it gets a little onerous to try to like tr- keep track of everything. I'm trying to find the list of houses because um, I- I'll tell you my favorite. BJ, I'd like to know yours. My favorite is Ascada. Do you remember your favorite? I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember so who else was in Escada. Ball, ma- well, okay. So famously, Escada's got the thick uh, Latino uh, gentleman. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah, a lot that of the, that's a lot of people's so, favorite. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people's favorite. Um, so we got House of Balmain, House of Lanven, Lanven. I can't say that either. So. Lanven. Uh, See, I can ha- say that one fine. House of <laughs> House of Escada, which is again I just mentioned. House of Gucci. The gorgeous House of Gucci. House of Ninja, again, founded famously by Willie Ninja, from what we talked about. House of Ebony, another very famous house. House of St. Laurent, which wasn't... in why Wasn't St. Laurent one of the houses in um, Paris is Burning? I vaguely remember it's been so long but i believe so yeah um because there's 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 a lot of hair there's a lot of there's at least a couple of heritage heritage houses that have been around for a long time and then house of west which is absolutely a newer house uh they talk yes. about the founding of that and what their deal is anyway so yeah the houses are all featured probably do you, do you have a favorite it's weird so when i first so so here's here's where we get into i have a lot of I ha- here's where we get into where my personal issues start to like bounce back into my own face, um, just because I have like my own issues with my body and confidence and stuff like that. So it was really hard for me to kind of attach to any one of the houses. Um, I really liked Ninja, and also Ninja was the is the I believe it's the first all cisgendered female house. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and it's and it's got and it's a legacy house on top of that. So, um, I honestly, I for me, it's per episode. Um, yeah, because uh, I I will enjoy I will enjoy a house more for their performance than like the specific people in the house. I do like Ebony, mm. um, but. It's like I said, yeah, it's completely because because it's not as structured as other reality shows, I think it makes it easier for me to like everybody and dislike certain yeah. certain everybody in certain aspects. So it really it purely because the uh, the galactic ball, the or the interstellar ball, um, the house that actually won the superior house trophy that episode, I absolutely was in love with them. I loved their costumes, I loved I loved their performance. Um, it is a show, it is a reality show that does not set person or house against house. So there is not as much storyline editing as you would get from like RuPaul's Drag Race, whereas it is more just kind of pure competition and, oh yeah, we're going to show some drama because these houses, like these people are under really tight pressure uh, deadlines and and performance expectations well, to, to and, see and personal drama as well right because you oh. had one house that lost somebody yes so you, so that's you, featured in a way but it's not amped up and or manipulated and so it's it's yeah it's not the main focus of an episode I enjoy the, the, the honesty of this show even though I'm sure there's still a lot of sleight of hand and mirrors compared to something like a drag race where it's 
a little more heavy handed in its, it's you know storyline. If you watch, put it this way: if you watch Drag Race for the runway and for the performances, I believe this is the show you want to watch because it is it is all about the performance. Uh, pretty much ninety percent of the back backstage scenes and prep scenes before they come out on stage is all. Them talking to the designers. What style do you want to do? Show me a little bit of what you're what you're planning on uh, performing. You know, it, it's it's all about the performance, and that is something I've always appreciated about ballroom. Is ballroom is about the performance. It's about what you bring out onto that floor and what you leave onto that floor. And you can you can talk about how you had a bad day all you want, but at the end of the day, the judges really they they're 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 empathetic. But at the end of the day, if you didn't meet your spin at the right time, you didn't meet your spin at the right time. And they're very good uh, about constructive, honest criticism. Yes. There are moments where, like, like they'll just chop. Like, you know, in the ones where they have to give, like, tens or chop. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll chop and you don't know why because they don't, they don't say or they're just like, no, nah, it wasn't for me. That's disappointing. But a lot of times it's like, you were off. Or I just didn't think you were into it. Your facial expressions when you were doing your choreography just weren't. You didn't look it took like you. you were, yeah, exactly. It took you too long to get the to get the entertainment started. It's it's I I like I said I I absolutely I absolutely love it. And I have to give a quick shout out to the host Deshaun um, Deshaun. I he's been a part. He's also been a part of the ballroom scene for a while now, and. Uh, when I watched the first episode, I personally, I can't stand it when a DJ starts talking over the music. It drives me insane. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the rhythm. I don't know if it's his voice because he has a, he has a beautiful voice. Yes, he does. I don't, I don't know what it is he is bringing to that microphone. I don't know what, I don't know what mermaid siren spell he is weaving but it is giving me everything I could ever want, and it hypes me up. Even when I'm watching a performance, I'm like, meh. And the, but the moment he starts chiming in, and I also appreciate the fact that when the judges do kind of start to kind of get into an argument or a tiff, he's just like, hey, I'm the host, so y'all just chill your shit, and we're going to keep on going. Yeah. Um, because he, at the end of the day, he probably wants to get his paycheck. But... Uh, honestly, I feel like it's it's a show that everybody in the community should it, it, at least watch the first uh, first two episodes. Yep, because you're gonna find something you like. And the first episode, it should still be up on YouTube for free, so you can go and watch that if you don't have an HBO Max subscription. Oddly enough, I have access to HBO Max through Hulu, and this show is not available, and I don't understand why. Oh, be- actually, okay. sorry. Um. That is, uh, I have an explanation for that. Um, because HBO Max was released when it was, I don't know if it's because of the COVID thing, their contracts with other streaming services are all kinds of fucked up right now. Oh, so they may have launched early, so Hulu only has access to X amount of content, but then at a certain point, it'll probably catch up because then that contract will go into effect to have the series on there. Yeah, so right now... Um, there is no HBO Max streaming app for LG smart TVs. Um, there isn't one for Amazon streaming uh, uh, smart TVs uh, or their Fire Sticks. And there is not one 
uh, for, there was one more in there, um, Roku's. Roku's do not have the um, HBO Max streaming app, and they are also, I think, working on either combining it with their HBO Now or their HBO Go service. Okay. So yeah, yeah. There's there because there's like there's like two other HBO streaming uh services. Uh, so there's there's a lot of but the but uh I stream it from my PlayStation, or or Android device. Gotcha. Yeah, my Samsung TV has the uh the Max, um app, uh as a as being able to watch it through there. I just I had access through the Hulu, so I was checking out stuff, and it says everything shows. HBO Max, and I'm like, why isn't Legendary there? But that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the one thing I wanted to just kind of add in, it's a small critique, but it's something that I just didn't understand, and that is, why are the judges on the side? Yeah, I don't get that either. That, especially when they are utilizing the entire space of this runway to do these performances, when stuff happens to their right... They can see it because you look to your right. Okay, you can see this. But when you look to the left, you're watching their backs. And I don't understand that. I don't get how you can judge off of like facial expressions and things of that nature when you're not looking at them. You know, and in classic ballroom, the MC and the judges are all at the end of the runway looking down the runway because everything is coming at them so they can see it all. That was one of the things that I, I didn't quite understand. Yeah. Doesn't really impact the show. Um, I think the show was fantastic, the one episode that I, I watched. Um, and if you buy a Chromecast right now, I don't know if it's all the types or if it's just the Ultra uh, like HD one, it comes with 30 days of HBO Max for free. Ah. So go buy a Chromecast, binge the shit out of this stuff, because right now Legendary Season 1 is over. It was eight episodes. It, and, it, it, yep. and it did get renewed for Season 2, so that's awesome. Um, and then like you were saying, BJ classic ballroom tends to have that, that voiceover from the MC, um, in that rhythmic pulsing kind of, of tone where we know that there are certain MCs that will MC a, a show at a, a theater named after possible, another word for the appenditures at the end of your legs and bright objects that illuminate you um <laughs> that when it's not your normal well when it's not the normal cast that she will talk over Aww. the music and it annoys the crap out of me too because it's been done to me um <laughs> i'm just glad she's doing better right now after yeah oh is she oh, okay yeah I, she, I, she, I, she was in the hospital she was like oh she's in the hospital of covid oh jesus christ she's on the mend at home but oh my god yeah Holy crap. A lot of Orlando queens are getting COVID. It was kind of like one and bartenders that I know. It was like one after another after another. I'm like, hmm, shocker. It, I mean, it couldn't be the fact that they reopened too fucking early. Florida, I'm looking at you. We're all looking at you. Uh, no, and, and I'm right there with you because most of those people are my friends that I have worked with up until I moved. And when the bars reopen and then not a week later... This person tested positive for COVID. This person tested positive for COVID. I mean, at least a handful of people from the one bar, you know, the, the bar that I work at or worked at um, all tested positive. So, yeah. Um, but it, it does give a, it, 
I never really appreciated it when one of the sisters of Perpetual Indulgence did a ball as their novice project. And depending on the MC, it can be a bit much. But if you get the right MC, and a lot of times if I'm watching it on TV or if I'm watching it um, on on YouTube or whatever, it's a bit different because you're not having it blasting in your ear while you're trying to take pictures of people walking for a category. But it, it does, it brings that energy, it brings that excitement. And, and um, Deshaun is very much a, a fantastic MC for the show. So... Uh, that is HBO Max as a service that is legendary, um, now streaming on HBO Max. If you haven't done so, check it out. Um, it is definitely a, a fascinating experience. So before we get any further, dear listeners, if you are enjoying this or any of the other lovely podcast content that we are putting out for you, then head on over to flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom and you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. And if you are so desiring, you can become a patron and help fund us because we are listener-funded entertainment. Go to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. I've been a little behind on the content. We got more stuff coming for you. Don't you worry. Got some videos. I got some behind the scenes, uh, unedited, uh, wonky wackiness that that I will be putting up there on Patreon. Oral will be doing uh, a few more sips of tea very soon um life in the world have just been a little a little tough to get everything organized at times so bear with us we appreciate you supporting um and uh yeah keep on listening ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Another little tasty nugget of uh, pop culture. Let us talk about the CW for a hot second. For a hot second, because you know we can go on to diatribes about the CW and what they're doing. (laughs) Um, Let's talk real quick about a show getting picked up for a season two and moving off of the DC Universe uh, platform. See how I'm I'm trying to segue these things in. DC Universe, HBO Max, back into Stargirl. So Stargirl, I have not personally watched. I have seen lots and lots of positive Facebook reviews of people watching it and enjoying it, but it did uh, get picked up for a second season, and it is permanently moving off of the DC Universe platform and going on to the CW. Do any of you have any hot takes on Stargirl? Um, I actually watched the first three episodes. What do you think? It's cute. It's... uh, you know, for 
for something that started on the DC Universe, it's a solid show. I can see why CW uh, picked it up, because it's very much in the vein of kind of how they like to do things. Um, it's it's interesting. I do believe there, supposedly there is a cameo from Jesse Quick from The Flash. Um, interesting. Because it is, I believe, the new Earth 2 post-crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's got a whole bunch of stuff for the, uh, Justice Society of America in there. So it's got, it's got, and I am not familiar with the Stargirl comic at all, period. Like I didn't even know it was a character, um, (laughs) (laughs) until I actually watched one or two episodes and I was like, this it's, it's, so it's really cute. Um, it's a solid show. I can especially with the way things are going with recording schedules and uh, studios right now, I can definitely see CW being like, you know, we need to fill a spot, so let's uh, yank this. But also, for the DC Universe app, I have noticed the trend of, because uh, HBO Max also picked up Doom Patrol. Um, I do believe Doom Patrol Season 2 is still airing on the DC Universe app. Um, but the... Uh, HBO Max really liked uh, Doom Patrol, so they picked up Doom Patrol. They picked up Harley Quinn, um, which just finished its second season. And I believe they may be picking... They also picked up um, Young Justice as well. Okay. So it, it feels like a lot of other networks are purchasing these shows from the DC Universe app, or they are grabbing these shows, because I know they took season one of Swamp Thing and put that on the CW as a filler spot. Well, um, and we'll say this, it, it's not necessarily purchasing. Um, a lot of these companies are, or these platforms are all under the same umbrella. Yeah. So they're, they're seem to be re- redistributing. Redistributing. Redistrib- Why does yeah. that sound weird? Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, really it's, weird for a it's the redistribution of their, of their, uh, their intellectual properties. Yes. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. So, it's interesting to see how all this is going. So uh, in an additional CW uh, tidbit, we have our new Batwoman. It is. It has been announced that... I'm going to fuck this all up again. Good. Javicia Leslie has been announced as the new Batwoman. She's an openly bisexual... Um, uh, person of color who will be taking on the cape and the cowl so we don't know much about her character it had been listed as uh, i think ryan strong or something along those lines was what they listed the character name as whether or not that's going to be the actual character or if that was kind of just a, a place filler for the time being because all of this is obviously being done very quickly we uh, only got word of um Oh god, what was her name? Ruby Rose. Oh, that's it. Yes. Okay. I w- yeah. Well, for some reason, I, I I was thinking Amber Rose, and I'm like, that's a different person. That's a completely different. Oh, the person. House of Rose. We're having a, we're having a yep. different issue. We're having an issue with names today. I yeah, think seriously. it's COVID. It's a weird symptom that no one's reported. Go Apparently. Uh, so, it, Ruby Rose has only been announced as being out of the role for a short period of time. So obviously they're, they're doing a lot of things very quickly. Uh, so whether or not that stays as the name, we'll, we'll see. 
Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know that not a lot of you watched Batwoman, and I, like with Gotham, was kind of hate watching it. Um, <laughs> what are your? You hate watched your, it to its its conclusion, though. My God. I mean, I did the same thing. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, which show? <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. they cast a black woman. I mean, and 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 in the community, that that's great. I'm curious. I think the biggest thing I'm interested in is how they're going to do it with the story. Uh, yeah, because that's like kind of a, an amazing challenge for a writer to be handed that and be like, "All right, good luck." But I mean, I'm guessing the writing team's the same, so they'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I otherwise just don't. We'll see. You know, when they can film it and what it looks like. And I believe uh, CW Studios are, uh, they have released their COVID guidelines. Um, So any of the cast that, because I believe they film in Canada. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure all the CW shows film in Vancouver. So provided, provided most of the cast is present, they have released their COVID guidelines for filming at the studio. And uh, they will start filming and doing table reads and getting the shows uh, starting to film, I believe, by October at the latest. So that's I, if Canada lets them in. Right. That's, well, that's that's assuming that's assuming the cast is actually there. Yeah. And uh, I don't think they if, all if, are. I don't uh, I know for the cast of The Flash, they are not all there. But I do believe the cast of Legends, most of them, I think, are living in Canada now. And I know oh, the okay. cast of Supergirl, I believe, lives in Canada now. So, just as a similar kind of interesting thing, Jurassic World 3 is, they started filming that. And if you want to read about the shit show that is filming right now, even with COVID, oh, yeah. go look up that, because, like, within, what, a week of test of, of uh, filming, like, how many of the crew came down with COVID? Like, oh, it was, it was, like, over half. It's not going to be this is like when we had the writer's strike you know years ago like we are going to have a almost probably full year of altered programming let's say and uh uh if you've watched the politician on netflix season two there is a a a a beat a scene that they had to pick up later and they had to film after the covid lockdown uh so get used to zoom calls uh Uh, and any kind of uh, ways they can not, you know, Brie Larson was talking about it on um, Hot Ones as well, and yep. how they're starting to talk about this as, oh no, we're going to just CG everybody into a scene that they'll film separately. Like, they're well, trying to come up with all these we'll, ways to do it. We'll be I getting mean, a lot of animated series, because and, right now, anim- animated animated stuff is the only stuff that can keep yeah. up production. Well, and that's and honestly, one day at a time took that route to put out a new episode. They actually animated an entire um, episode, and it's hysterical because it was completely done um, separate, and it was completely done with their own equipment. <laughs> and as much as I turn around and <laughs> will espouse such a love for Rita Moreno and that she is a fucking national treasure. It was hysterical listening to what appeared to be her recording her lines on like an iPhone three. Um, That's fantastic. You could tell the quality of like any type of recording equipment between the um, the characters, and whenever Rita Moreno's lines were on, it was just like, yeah, it was it was hysterical. That's awesome. But um, 
it was an episode in which we got Gloria Estefan as two different characters. What? So whoa, when did she show up? Nice. She's she's part of their family. Bitch, you think that she, one she not she's singing the the the, the theme song. And two, they're Cuban immigrants. You don't think Gloria Stefan is part of this thing? Oh, I didn't realize. That's I missed. Oh that. yeah. Oh okay. She's um she's Rita Moreno's sister. Oh okay. She's one. Of, she's the aunt. Um, the aunt that they don't like. Um, <laughs> and the aunt that's uh and Lin Manuel Miranda's um, their uncle. Oh um, wow. Who's married to Gloria Stefan? I gotta go watch this. Everyone's talked about it, and I just I haven't watched it yet. And um. They are, uh, spoiler alert, they're a MAGA family. What? Yep. Hopefully yep. it's, like, satirically kind of, you know... Oh. Well, no, it's used as a teaching moment. It's used... As te- and that's part of the... That's part of the reason why they did this, um... This cartoon episode was because it basically is a, um... It's... I think it's called, like, the one about politics or the political episode or something like that. And basically, they, the family is coming to visit, and as a good Cuban matriarch, Rita Moreno offers to have them stay at the house or the apartment with them and not go stay at a hotel. And it becomes this whole, like, okay, well, they believe this. And then it, it goes through a whole bunch of scenarios about, like, how to deal with this whole thing. Um, the one thing that I think it was the AV Club pointed out that it took a small shot at, but could have been so much more pointed and direct is that one of the lines that they have the the main character, uh, Penny say is referencing like, what if there is a, a large scale crisis that the president or that, or that he doesn't handle well because they never reference by name. Oh yeah. They never name him. Um, but it's obviously, and, and it's not MAGA. It's all, you know, like, yeah. I, although I think they do say make America great again, which is like the big like shocker because it goes from um, it goes from talking about being uh, gay and having the family accept you. And then it goes through all of this stuff and then eventually ends with like make America great again. And it's all like the whoa. And then it leads into it. It's it's, it's very well done. Um, and when the when the daughter calls, uh, call, says that she's lesbian Jesus lost my shit and then she's talking to she's talking about the one um the one aunt that nobody talks about that you know she's got a friend and then she's trying to get her to come out and be like you should live your true life whatever and she's like the the barbecue that everybody was at that was my wedding like you know and she she, she goes oh my god i'm lesbian jesus but you're lesbian god and then it becomes this whole thing and she talks about the family and she She's like, y'all were at our wedding. She's like, I have the the mantilla, the the like the veil. She's like, I had it at our wedding, and they're all like, what? They're like, you were all there. <laughs> it's this whole thing. It's it's an amazing, amazing depiction of um, Hispanic American families and and the culture and all of that. And not being Cuban, being Puerto Rican, I still see my family in all of that. And um, in the cartoon episode, so Gloria Stefan is the the, the sister. But they, there's a little portion where um, Rita Moreno talks about um, all Cubans know that if you, um, it's like if you if you swish your hips three times and you say Gloria Estefan, she appears and helps you solve your problems. <laughs> and that's what happens. They do like a, a sing off between uh, Rita Moreno's <laughs> character and the sister, who's Gloria Estefan, 
And then Gloria Estefan is the judge of the contest oh and tells and tells Gloria Estefan that she uh, she she doesn't sound as good is, as Rita Moreno. Is Rita Moreno Cuban or Puerto Rican? Uh, I thought she was Puerto Rican, but I, I mean, thought she was. I thought she was too, but she may be. Maybe she's a little mix of both. I don't know. Maybe I'm just conflating uh, West Side Story with her. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh no, she, right. she was born in Puerto Rico. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but she, but she plays a, a Cuban matriarch, and, uh, very close in in to in the two between uh, Cuban Cuban ideals and, and Puerto Rican. Um, our flags are just inverted, so it's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, oh my god! And she was the voice of Carmen Sandiego, and where in, where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? The cartoon, oh. I love it. Rita Moreno is a fucking treasure. She is. If you have not, uh, it, go watch one day at a time. The first two seasons are on Netflix. Season three is um, on Pop, but they are currently on hiatus, obviously. So if you have access to being able to watch it, go watch. This season's been really, really good. And taking a lot of jabs at Netflix as well. Um, so that is uh, our, our little side tangent there. All right. I am going to um, do a quick little chat. Speaking of Hispanics, see, I've actually been able to segue this very lovely today. Um, Hispanics and jabs at Netflix. So... <laughs> Uh, if you are Hispanic in any way, shape, or form, you know about Walter Mercado. If you were breathing and alive at any point in the 90s into the early 2000s, you probably know who Walter is. If you watched All Stars 5's Snatch Game of Love, <laughs> you were exposed to at least knowing about Walter Mercado. It all ties together. Um, Walter is, uh, was, I apologize, he passed away um, last November, was the biggest psychic in the world and was a staple of um, Univision's, uh, I, I was trying to English that up way too much, uh, Univision's programming from the 60s through um the 90s into the early 2000s there is a documentary called mucho mucho amor because uh when he would sign off from his broadcast whatever they were he always signed off with peace and lots and lots and lots of love and it became this thing this um in mucho 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 amor is how he would sign off from his his shows and it takes a look at his entire life and it talks about um, his upbringing, his growing up as a poor farm boy in the sugarcane fields in Puerto Rico. It talks about his rise um, into being a dancer and being an actor and how that in turn opened up a door that I don't think he ever expected as being uh, an astrologer. And I think that the way that this whole thing is told, this is not a linear story. If you're expecting to just kind of come in and, and watch a, a story go from beginning to end and, and just kind of go in a normal path, this isn't the, the, the method. Um, it opens up with scenes from his shows and the, the shows that he had been on. And then the first voice you hear is Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I'd watched this after, like, literally the same night that I watched Hamilton. So I just went from one Lin-Manuel Miranda project to another. And um, 
it talks about his importance in, in the Hispanic world. It talks about how pretty much anybody of our age, um, you know, I'm going on, on 40 in a year and some change, and how growing up with your grandmother and your aunts and your mom and how like this was a part of your everyday thing. And then it goes into him at home because he kind of just disappeared and people didn't know what to do or what, how to really put it out there. It's kind of almost like the Richard Simmons thing. I was thinking that the whole time. I'm like, we need this for Richard Simmons. Right. Right. That was the first thing when they started talking about like he, how he disappeared and nobody knew. And then like one of his um, nieces was like, you know, he died two times. And it was like, in my head, all I'm thinking about is like all of like those stories around Richard Simmons in that same respect. And it's the cultural zeitgeist. Like Richard Simmons has a lot of the same effect for the entire world, um, just from an American side of it or from a white side of it, I should say. And um, I love the when they go back in and kind of dig into a portion of his history, they it's all centered around tarot cards and like these very um, drawn, like amazingly drawn um, tarot style like cards and it flips over a card and it's like this chapter is like, you know, um, the healer and and then uh, the caped man, like the tower, all of these things. And it's based off of all the tarot cards. And it was so just it was such a loving look because there are so many different ways that you can look at his life and the things that he's done. I don't think I would have ever known that he was a trained dancer. And when he was doing his castanets and all of that, like it was amazing. He talks about when they talk about his childhood and how he knew he was different. And he saw like his brothers playing sports and going with his dad and he would stay at home and he would play the piano with his mom. And as he was growing up, he realized that he was going to lead a different life. And his mom was so supportive of that. And I mean, you're talking, he was born in, I think it was 1932, which worries me because my, that makes him only eight years older than my grandmother. And I'm just like, oh, God, it puts into such perspective of, of, of the amount of time and the age, um, the age of my grandmother and, and all of this. But to grow up in that time and be supported in that way by his mother to really just be like, live the life that you that you want to live and be the person that you want to be was so revolutionary in that in that time. You know, when he talked about finding the bird that fell out of the tree and you know, he prayed over it and, and he was doing the, you know, and giving it the breath of life. And all I could think about was Doctor Who and giving it the, the air from his lungs. Regeneration energy. Oh. And, well, no, not even the oh, regeneration oh, the energy. Oh, the tree. Yeah. From my lungs. The, the air, I give you the gift of air from my lungs. Um, and then he became like this this healer within the, the town and that people would want to come and, and touch him and, and get some of that healing. And like, it's, it's incredible to see that story and to see like how it all progressed. And then for him to become an actor. And then he was in the, you know, he was going to do the commercial for, um, for the one show, the one uh, telenovela that he was in. And he was dressed as a, a, I think it was a Persian King. And he had the robes and the jewels and all of this. And they had him basically riff instead. They were like, Oh, we could do this commercial another time talk about because he would always be doing the star charts and all of these these astrology readings for everybody and you know, the reading the palms 
And then he riffed for 15 minutes and just was doing the horoscopes and all that. And that's how his career as the Walter that the world knows be, it came about. To see that and then to see it, um, his assistant. Willie. I wanted him to be like, yes. He, well, no. And I mean, like, I know, he's I know. so adamant about like. We've never, we've never been involved. I've never, I've never touched him. Blah blah blah. All this, and I'm like, honestly, it's it, whatever it was, it was. Yeah. And it, it's amazing to see somebody genuinely love that a, a person like that for so long, for so to be so much of a part of their life, um, and then to watch somebody who came into his life as a manager, then basically crush his life. Ugh. It was heart wrenching. Yeah, because this guy that. Bakula, I forgot his first name. Like Bill Guillermo. Bill, yeah, he like he brought Walter to the masses through his uh, connections and his vision of the show that he wanted, and then wrote this contract, which is why you always read your contracts. If this, if any performers or people out there who are interested in right, you know, dealing with it, you always read them, um, and and get them looked at by like a professional, but like. He sold his his not just his 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 his, his shtick, but his his name. Pretty he much sold his name. Everything yeah. about Walter Mercado was sold in perpetuity for the in the document. It says like in perpetuity and for the whole universe. Like 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 you know, in a thousand years, if this contract was still in place, you know, this 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 company would still own all of these you know, images, and it's just like so insane. That that he, I mean, that he signed it, but you know, he he trusted this guy, and then, well, not even that. He said he said he said he had a lawyer come over, yeah, and the, the and the lawyer took it home and then came back and said, oh, it's perfect, it's fine, yeah. and it just makes you sit there and go, wow, yeah. that somebody else was that shady that he trusted Bill Bill Bakula so much that he was like, okay, yeah, and then he had a lawyer that he trusted look it over, and then that lawyer screwed him over. And he sold his name, the the rights to his name, the rights to his image and likeness to all of his past um, work. So then Bill Bakula was putting out, you know, horoscopes that were from 20 years ago and reusing them to put more content out there. And then that was part of the, the, the and then it, that wasn't even what really was the tipping point. It was when, when Bakula stopped paying him was finally that tipping point where it was like, okay, this isn't right. And he tried to get him to redraft a contract, and he's like, no, it's ironclad. And the fact that that ended up being kind of like the downfall and the end of Walter, because they took it to court, and it took six years for him to get his name back. He couldn't even use his own name. He couldn't do anything in a professional capacity and even use his legal name. And that's just heart-wrenching. Um... I I knew I was going to enjoy this. I knew that because, you know, you see so many different people in this film uh, from the queer community, from the, the Latinx community, from all of these different communities, because Walter was kind of, kind of that first representation of non-binary, asexual, agendered, um, just fabulousness on television so to see those those people that step up and are part of that that one um that one radio producer that they 
showed in the early on. Oh, daddy. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, hey. Right. Um, I was reading an interview with the creators of the documentary, though, and they were talking about how important it was to get the trust of the family. Those two nieces mm-hmm. that were so you know present and interviewed a lot, and Willie as well. They're like, the only reason this is what it is, and they got authentic moments from Walter, not just doing his shtick, but just being himself, the core part of him that isn't that performer and whatever was just by like being like honest and saying, you know, Hey, we just want to hang out and we just want to capture as much of this as you can, you know, and, and they had a great relationship. It sounds like, and the the product proves that because it's, you really feel for this, this person and his life and you really go on a journey with him, both finally coming back, you know, getting that recognition in Miami with that whole uh, event they had, you know, being, carted out on a uh, on a chariot to all of these young dancers and 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 getting all this adoration so late in his life and then you know talking about these really these real moments in in aging where your body fails you and suddenly all of this bravado shrinks away and you're left with whoever you are trying to just survive so i mean they touched on all of it um the only thing they did say in the interview which is funny and, and the documentary the only criticism i would have and it's you know, it's understandable given all this is they really do shy away from his sexuality. Like they don't like he never he never says like one way or the other. He just says, you know, I have sex with the universe. I have sex with the, the nature. I mean, he's very, you know, nothing like specific. He, de- you know, he doesn't confirm or deny anything. But they were like, oh, yeah, we were looking in you know these moments and seeing his books. And you'd have like this this interesting Buddhist text next to the gay Kama Sutra. So it's like it's all there. I mean, he is. And a- there was one. It was like the the gay the not the gay flag, but it was like there was some another book. Um, gay vacation. The gay or something. The gay something, and it was like that was like the centerpiece of like scrolling across the the whole thing, and it was like. So yeah, <laughs> it's like it would be. It would have been nice, and I think this is a victim. Walter is a victim of his time and his culture. Because even though it yes. sounds like Puerto Rico, you know, in that era when he grew up was very progressive in arts and culture oh. and all this stuff. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think so at all. He made honestly. it. He made it sound like it was this uh, idyllic uh, moment when he was growing up and doing theater. Uh, so maybe in like the city of was it Ponce or whatever, like a Ponce, Ponce yeah. yeah. Like he was like getting, but but having said that, and you obviously know this, like it's not a progressive culture for sexuality uh at all even to this day it still struggles in in many areas i think uh you know so i think walter's a victim of that if if he had been in a different culture or later in the in the culture maybe he would have been able to come out and be a little more comfortable being probably bisexual i think um but you know being queer at least i think no one has any illusions that he is not a queer icon oh absolutely and i honestly i look at it this way you know, we we sit here and we say, okay, well, he probably probably was, but he may have just been asexual. I mean, you know, he looked at it; could, he could look at sexuality the same way he looks at religion, where it's kind of a blend of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was one of the biggest things that I appreciated um, hearing him talk about in this documentary was, or and in, in these in clips from other things that he had done. Where he talks about he having having the best of Buddhism, having the best of Christianity, having the best of Judaism, and all of these other things, and and that's kind of the point. I mean, religions there is such a a religious divide when a lot of these texts and a lot of these stories are all telling the same story, 
you know, whether or not you believe in it. And that's that's not a discussion for for here or for now or, you know, for anybody to impose what they feel. If you don't believe in it, you don't believe in it. That's fine. But if you do look at other religion stories that are this that are very similar to your religion, like why are why are we having all of these fights about people not following the same religion when they're all so so closely based um at at their core obviously as translations as as for reasons of why these uh later adaptations have been made you know that becomes a a um a modern day even if it's in the you know the the if, even if it's been a long time ago it's still a modern problem so maybe he looked at sexuality the same way where it's a matter of of loving everybody you could say maybe a pansexual or or you know something along those lines but um one of the things that i absolutely adored was one of the people that they were interviewing when they were talking about his hair and they they said the line of um it looks like if a guy had really good hair from the 70s mixed with really good hair that your grandma has now and when that was said i damn near lost my mind perfect (laughs) because it's so true it is so amazingly true. And his hair is so iconic. Although I will say I never knew that he had that big ass ponytail at one point. Oh, I know. There's a clip. And he turned to the side and I was like, ooh, it was, girl. It was scandaloso. <laughs> Escandalo. Um, at the end, I felt like Jessica Wilde was in the room when, when that was said. And um, so I, I knew it was going to be touching. I didn't expect to cry as much as I did from the point when uh, around the time when we're getting to um, the talk of the the 50th anniversary of him being on television and um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, they do the segment with him and you get the little like type over that, you know, on on this day or whatever, uh, Walter was told that a fan wanted to meet him and it's Lin-Manuel and his father going to see Walter and the emotional impact because I'm not sure how old Lin-Manuel Miranda is, but I feel like we're close in that same age. Um, Close enough that we're part of that same growing up of our grandmothers and our mothers and our aunts and when he talked about that they would watch him and as soon as you know you were you're watching Primer Impacto and you get to that point and the room has to shut up and especially because so my grandmother and my aunt especially because they definitely they were always home when Walter was on my mom sometimes would be home but it, the um the the star signs are always done in the same order um, and even if they rotated, it was based off of what star sign we were in. And then it, so it cycled through, um, with the star signs and, but they always stayed in that same order. So you knew if you started with Capricorn, then it went on to this one, blah, blah, whatever. So you knew like kind of how much time you had because he always had dramatic turns to the camera as you went from one to the other. So if he was facing forward, he was doing this. And then if he turned to the side and he was facing that other camera, you knew he was doing like, it was this whole thing. And as soon as it would get down to um, Leo, because my grandmother's a Leo, and Sagittarius for my aunt, it was always like, shh. And if anybody said this, shh, Leo is on. 
where Sagittarius is on. And like, it was a thing. It was a thing. And it hit me so much in the feels to kind of feel that way about my own upbringing and my own childhood and to see that on a television screen in that way. And then when he put on the, the Puerto Rican cape and he was talking about being part of the Puerto Rican uh, pride parade and uh, like all of these things, I legit just started crying. And then when they start talking about if he were, if, if he were um, in the cultural zeitgeist today, he'd like be this biggest TikTok star. Or if he were a millennial, he'd be a TikTok star. He would be an Instagram star. And everybody would be following him and all this stuff because it, it, it just translates that way. And then seeing the gifts and seeing the merchandise that people would wear or, you know, are wearing with his face on it and everything. It just, it took me to a place that I didn't expect to be taken to. And it was amazing. So if you have any, any um, knowledge of Walter Mercado, check out the, check out the documentary. It's a, just under two hours. I think it's like an hour 40-ish, hour 45 somewhere in there um and just just watch it it is it's an amazing story that's being told um in a very loving and a very um a very positive way it shows all the ups and downs but it's always done in a caring way and then the last thing i'll say and it totally encapsulates who walter is as a person and as a a public figure when he was uh, i think it was jorge rivera the interview that he was doing during the press junket for the the museum exhibit, when uh, when he asked him, oh, "Can I tell my viewers how old you are?" eighty seven. He's like, oh, "No." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that's my grandmother." <laughs> it was amazing. It is. It's just. It's. It speaks to the spirit of who he is, and it it just was fantastic. So check it out on Netflix. Uh, that is mucho mucho amor, airing right now. All right, y'all. We hope that you're enjoying this podcast and everything else that Flame On has put out for you. If you are, follow us on social media. Go to flameonshow.com and scroll to the bottom. You can check out all of our social media by clicking on the chicklets there. We are listener-funded entertainment, so if you would like to throw some coins on the dresser for us, then head over to patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and join today. All right. Let's do these one-ups. We'll go in the same order. Brian, what is your one-up for this month? Uh, I have been playing a lot of the game Fortnite uh, as of late. And I know I am ridiculously late to the party, but uh, I have been very much enjoying it. Uh, If you're not familiar for some reason, this is a... Uh, not a first person, but I guess a third person shooter game that you play against, uh, up to, it's a hundred people in this battle royale kind of style, uh, match. And there's other variations on that you can play, but it's free. It's by Epic Games, uh, which I believe is headquartered out of here in Seattle from what I've been told. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fun world. It's set on like this island where you fly in on a bus and you parachute down into this space, and the island has little areas of interest, little towns, and little other, you know, things in the in the world. Um, this season, so every like so often they reset and they kind of change things up, shake the ant farm, and have a new season. Uh, and this season is the one where they flooded the island, so we get a little taste of like a water world meets 
I don't even know what else, honestly. It's, it, reminds, <laughs> it reminds me of Team Fortress, like, two back in the day. It's got a similar cartoony, uh, violent, but not gratuitous and not bloody. It's just cartoony violent. Um, and this season, uh, well, so last season they had Deadpool as a big part of the series. Um, and occasionally they'll add in, like, you know, the skins or these, like, uh, tunes that you can play. Uh, they had a cable X Force pack that I bought, so I got X Force cable running around. Uh, but this season is uh, Aquaman, and so you're doing little challenges related to Aquaman. And the rumor is that they're going to have Aquaman's, uh, they're going to have Atlantis as part of this map at some point. Um, and there's other stuff. But is it like DC Comics Aquaman? Yeah. Or is it yeah, Jason yeah. Momoa? No. Well, yeah, Jason Momoa. So it's oh, okay. it's it's almost like. It's it's not it's not the classic blonde you know whatever but it, it's got the look I guess that Jason Momoa ends up as maybe and there's actually two versions one without his shirt with tattoos <laughs> so that's that's exciting and you get to play as him after you do so many challenges and whatnot anyway it's a lot yeah, of like fun. if you really thirsty you go and do these challenges you, you, you will you will um but it's um a lot of people give it grief because this is where flossing I guess was. Uh, you know, if not originated, it was popularized very intensely. And there's a lot of ridiculous emotes and dances that you can unlock through doing challenges or pay for. I have some fabulous ones with rainbows. Um, there's this little cute cat robot creation called Kit that has a great little emote where you transform and do this like heavy metal song. It's ridiculous. Anyway uh yeah it, and it gets people talk about it like oh there's a lot of kids that play it and honestly like i don't care who's playing it it could be 14 year olds it could be 80 year olds i don't care the game itself you wouldn't even know because you don't have to listen to them talk thank god because if you did i think i wouldn't play it um but uh if you want something casual and fun just to dip in and out of you know you do get experience you know of sorts it's not an rpg but you do you do level up um you know level free. Up. Level up. It's on. Level up, level up, level up. It's on. Five, four, three, two. Oh, sorry. Let's go! <laughs> it's on every platform, including iPhone and Android. And it's actually interesting. Yeah, I... You can. Jesus. You get a advantage to some extent playing it on your phone because it does some auto aim and auto fire for you. So I'm on. I'm playing it on the Switch, and that's not terrible. And I also have played it on the PC, and the PC is like hard because you get nothing it is all up to you and your mouse uh you know uh aiming ability but um consoles give you a little bit of a help with an auto assist and then the phones give you a lot of help so anyway any platform you've got you probably got at least one of them you can play it it's totally free um yeah Fortnite uh season oh, so it's chapter two which is like their big like sequel i guess to chapter one and then season three so it's a really but, but you don't even have to worry about it. just go to Fortnite look it up jump in and play. nice and i think samsung was running a uh a promotion with them they had a a skin pack that if you bought like the the s10 i think it might have been oh um, yeah it was something there like was that. a connection yeah there was a connection there so that is Fortnite. brian's one up eric what's your one up so last weekend what's your name sir eric sorry we're <laughs> I was oh, I was I was trying to set you off. Damn it! <laughs> I understand. Um, no, last weekend was a big holiday for lots of people uh, around the country. Hamilton was released on Disney Woo! Plus, and so everyone gets to experience it now. Um, 
but it also was the premiere of a new video to an older song uh, that Weird Al put out in 2018. Because that was the year that all the Hamel drops were happening, where it was just different interpretations or different songs that were released that were inspired by the production uh, or different remixes from songs from the production. And Weird Al did a great polka medley of different songs from the show. And after the, the video was, after the whole show was released on Disney Plus, he redid a video for it using actual footage from the show. So it's actually pretty fun to watch uh, scenes sped up a little bit to the time of the polka. I didn't realize it was it was done so long ago. Now I'm sad. Yeah. I'm late to the party. Yeah, if you go back and listen to all the Hamill drops, they're all good. Like um, the George Washington song, One Last Time, where he's uh, resigning from office. Uh, they did a remix of it where the speech, they used the actual speech that George Washington gave in it. But they have Barack Obama reading the speech uh, during the course of the song. That's really good. Interesting. And why did nobody tell me that George Washington wasn't just the father of our country, but he was also the daddy of our country? <laughs> uh, Christopher Jackson is a very handsome individual. I was like, all right, I'm not mad about George Washington. Okay. I also didn't realize that they had um, Jonathan Groff come back for um, for the show t- in order to film it because yeah, he had already he had left already the left. show. And it was filmed uh, three different times. They did the show three times to get that film. So they had two different nights with the theater open and um, on a third night with no audience in order to do all the close-up shots. And the only thing, I, I, the only part that upset me about the Hamilton polka is that my favorite song was not used. What's your favorite song? Satisfied. It is... That song and scene is just pure genius watching it on yeah. disney plus you do lose a little bit of the staging of it and kind of the staging magic that happens you get a little feel for okay they're rewinding everything that just happened in the previous song uh but to see it like from above and to see the whole stage as it's happening that's incredible stagecraft yeah, absolutely. I was watching a little video that was talking about um, some of the, the tricks of it and the way that it was filmed. The reason it was filmed that way um, with so many cuts and so quickly is to give you a little bit more of a look into, like show that it's a, a look in the mind of Eliza right. versus, you know, when you're in the theater and you're seeing all this stuff happen. And I kind of picked up on it a little bit, but wasn't so, like it didn't really stand out as much that the um, the way that the floor moves, depending on how it's moving, also denotes kind of um, time advancing or like linear thinking versus kind of looking from different angles where um, Bird tends to always just walk in a straight line. So he doesn't look at like he's always just kind of focused on one like one path. Versus Alexander, who tends to walk in um, arcs where he's kind of looking like he's looking at things from different perspectives and different angles. So it's it's very intricate and very amazing how a lot of this stuff was put together. 
And I will just come out and say this, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I really do not like Lin Manuel Miranda's singing voice. He doesn't like his own singing voice. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't like any of the music from Hamilton. Have you actually watched the show? I, it, I, it's hard for me to get through. Uh, I've tried three times. I would say that... I mean, art's subjective. Not it, everybody's going to be happy. I understand why it's important, and I love the cast, and like everything it's just i just i don't know maybe it's the style of music i don't know what it is but i just i i was every su- time a song starts i'm like mm-hmm. i was surprised that i liked it as much as as i did when it came out because i don't normally like get into hip hop at all but i think it really gave me a nice vector into that type of music and you know other things as well but like i i definitely enjoy the music uh, the criticism around it right now is interesting though because it's it's as much as it is a great work, and I am not trying to shit on that at all. There is an interesting discussion with the recent Black Lives Matter resurgence and how Hamilton doesn't exactly portray an entirely accurate or fully uh, fleshed out uh, portrayal of the real slavery issues in that era. Uh, it's 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 there's a dialogue going on anyway about people who are. And and Manuel is part of it. Lin Manuel is absolutely like, yeah, no, we didn't do as much as we could have, but at the time in 2016, before when it was being developed, this is what we felt like we could do. Uh, but he's like, yeah, no, it's not enough, and and hopefully it's just a jumping off point for anyone interested in Hamilton and, and wanting to learn about the issues in that era. And you know, we don't we weren't trying to glorify slave owners, you know, like so. Anyway, it's a good conversation. If you if you look around online, you'll see people talking about it, and um, and and it's a tough conversation because you have to you look at where we are now, and you look at a nation that we have we're all a part of that we've grown up in. And it's tough to say, okay, well, I don't want to lift up slave owners, but at the same time, it's part of our history. And these people did do some amazing things. Like it's, it's a very nuanced conversation. You know, it's tough to just say, oh, well, George Washington owned slaves. Although, and one of the things that I will say um, is the point where, um, is it, is it Philippa? Is it how you say her name? Philippa Sue? Yeah, or people just call her uh, Pippa. Pippa? Okay. Easier. Uh, First of all, her voice in the the live filming production, I think, was so much more powerful than in the um, cast recording. Because I did not... Like, I've only listened to a few songs of the cast recording, but even in, um, like, the Skylar Sisters, she didn't stand out in the same way. Watching it, it was amazing. She is undeniably and amazingly talented. But when she's doing that final um, that final portion and talking about um, all the things that Hamilton could have done, and she talks about um, you know possibly having done more to help free uh, free the slaves, um, Washington's ghost bows his head, and that was um, the actor's way to kind of show the shame of like Washington and the afterlife, not because apparently Lafayette had written when he was trying to free um, the slaves in France, had written to Washington um, encouraging him to do the same and Washington declined. So like, there's a lot of those little bits and pieces that are there. And um, speaking of Lafayette, David Diggs and the fucking ferocity and amazingness of his rapping skills. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that is out on Disney. 
uh, I was just going to say there's a, just a complete different energy to the performances and the singing that you see in the stage adaptation than you get from the soundtrack absolutely absolutely and so and some of them you can kind of get the feel but like my biggest thing is my favorite song from rent probably like my top favorite song from rent is christmas bells which you can get a feel for it when you listen to the the cast recording but watching that stage production and seeing all the characters all of the stuff going on and then how like they pick up just certain spots from different mics and seeing that live definitely has that that different piece of it. And I bring up Rent because if you watch Rent film live on Broadway, Renee Ellis Goldsberry is also in that one. All connected. <laughs> see how I was able to do that this episode? Well, did you Didn't see drink. Lin-Manuel is making the other musical that Jonathan Larson did before Rent? He's making the movie version of that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, but yeah, he's is that actually... The, is, that the, is that Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes, yes, yes. So he's going to bring that to the full. And they were in the middle of that when COVID hit. So it's going to be, you know, a little bit. But And the guy who played uh, Lawrence in Hamilton is also playing Lin-Manuel's character, Usnavi, in the the Heights movie that's going to be coming out. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nice. Awesome. So Hamilton is, uh, or Hamilfilm, hashtag Hamilfilm, Hamilton. is on Disney+. Plus. Go watch that. The new video for the Hamilton Polka by Weird Al um, is up on YouTube. Go check that out. And uh, yeah, Hamilton all around. All right, BJ, what is your one up? Zoinks, Shaggy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's Scoob. Uh, so since COVID hit, um, a lot of movies have kind of either gone straight into streaming or... Um, they're getting pushed back to hopefully round out whenever theaters can open safely and stuff like that. Uh, but when I got HBO Max, uh, turns out they had just released Scoob on HBO Max. So I was craving, uh, uh, a chunk of nostalgia with my Hanna-Barbera old ass. Um, cause I realized Hanna-Barbera... It's been a hot second since, because uh, I think they were, uh, was it Warner Brothers uh, owns them now? Or DC? DC actually technically uh, Well, I think DC is owned by Warner Brothers, so yeah, they... Yeah. Which they is are. owned by AT&T, so I mean, honestly, just throw a rock <laughs> at one of those companies and I'm sure you'll find a the, phone the proper answer. somewhere, who knows. But um, but no, I sat down, because um, I had heard weird reviews, like, no, no, I hadn't heard any bad reviews about the movie, just that it wasn't exactly a scooby-doo movie because over the years we've had god we've had so many scooby-doo movies uh straight to video um i don't think we've ever actually had a theater release scooby-doo movie except what? for the live uh, are you action talking cartoon or live cartoon, action i was just gonna say cartoon okay, uh, okay. This, then yeah so not. i think yeah this is the first animated uh scooby-doo movie and i gotta say i was wonderfully surprised because this movie isn't so much for new viewers. If you've if if you've been living under a rock your whole life, or have some aversion to cartoons, and you've never seen any Scooby Doo anything, then you will not like this movie. Um, if you have literally seen anything, like even the live action movie, um, you'll you'll like this. If you've seen Han- Hanna Barbera anything, you will like this. Uh, it is beyond chock full of um callbacks and 
Easter eggs. My uh, personal favorite is the main villain of the movie is Dick Dastardly, um, who is absolutely hilarious and steals every scene he's in. Um, Muttley's in there. Um, his his old car from um, Wacky Races. God, what was that? Wacky Races is in there. Um, God, even uh, he makes little robot minions that look like. Um, the little alien friend that Elroy has. Um, oh, in yeah, one yeah, of the old Jet- yeah. in the old Jetsons cartoon. Yeah, there is everything. Um, there is a cameo by uh, one Captain Caveman. Um, I'm sorry. Please say his name correct. I'm I'm not screaming that man's name. Captain <laughs> Caveman. Um, but there is uh. The voice cast is weird, but works beautifully. I know Zac Efron plays uh, Fred Jones, um, and he is absolutely hilarious. Daddy um, Zac Efron? Daddy Zac Efron, yes, absolutely. Um, but it's uh, it's cute. It's a little bit off. I, I know they didn't get the guy who did Shaggy for the live-action movie Matthew to do Lillard. Shaggy's voice. Yeah, they did not get him. I was going to say, uh, Casey Kasem died a long time ago now. That's so right. I don't think that would have been possible. But uh, um, Matthew the, Lillard, I think, is a little too, uh, has become a little too weathered. Yeah, he is bit. in Good Girls on NBC, though, which is a, yes. a, which is a really good show, so watch that, too. Um, but there are callbacks. You've got, uh, you've got Falcon, um, Blue Falcon in it with Dynamite. Um, their scenes are absolutely hilarious. Um but it's it's definitely more of a animated buddy comedy, um, which is very much about Scooby and Shaggy. Um, the opening to the movie is a redone, uh, shot for shot redone opening of the original "Where Are You, Scooby Doo?" Um, opening. Uh, so that's really really cute and kind of funny. But yeah, no, the song. whole. Um, that is a good question. I have no idea. I did not look that up. I looked up uh. They, uh, of course, every, I think every Universal or every non-Disney, um, CG movie usually has, like, their own theme. So I was just actually looking up, um, uh, Summer Feeling is kind of the song that has followed this movie around. But, uh... They don't use the original Scooby-Dooby-Doo. They use that song, I just don't know who performs it. Yeah, no, they, they, it's, it's shot for shot. Every, like even when they zoom in on the characters' faces and everything, it is one hundred percent shot for shot. Um, but it's it's cute and it it definitely feels like if they wanted to do a sequel but set in this kind of same universe, they totally could. Because uh, they like uh, I do know um, it's not an actual scene in the movie, but it's just like a little art still. Uh, there's a little art still of Adam Ant. Um. Yeah, I I was I was very shocked, um, but yeah, no, it was really really cute. Uh, the, the Captain Caveman scene definitely had me um, had me pausing and rewinding and screaming multiple times, as well as the uh, the dick jokes uh, for Dick Dastardly, uh, and him screaming the word dick over and over again, trying to get Scooby to say it right. But uh, no, yeah, Scoob, uh, if you are definitely in the mood for like a just a little animated comedy, a little something light and greasy in these uh, times where everything's on fire. Definitely uh, give that a watch. It's on HBO Max, and it's for rent on, I believe, Amazon Cinema. I was going to say, I feel like there's a couple different yeah. places you can rent it. So, 
check it out. That is Scoob, my one-up. Uh, first, I want to give a little shout-out to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in its seventh and final season, um, in its last 13 episodes. They are on a time-hopping adventure. We have a an LMD version of uh, Phil Coulson that has joined the crew. We have Melinda May with no emotions. Um, we have Fitz, who is missing for the sake of the universe and the entire everything um and we have uh daniel susa from uh, agent carter back and joining the uh the action so the uh originally it kind of started in a two episode a piece time jump from the 50s to the 70s and then it went to the 80s and we're kind of all over the place my favorite part is that they completely do uh, period authentic costuming and they do period authentic um, opening credits. Nice. So they it was very like um, 50s inspired, like Detective Noir opening. This last episode was in the 80s. So it was like um, the old uh, computer screen where it typed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on the screen. Um, uh, can't remember her last name. Tamara... Uh, she was uh, on Bones. She was uh, the woman that came in and was the director. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Later on, oh uh, yeah. She is uh, Sybil, the Chronicoms, uh, basically fortune or or future seer. So she knows she uses the sands of time or the the, the streams of time or whatever, and they're going to try to eliminate Shield. Um, so part of the the first couple episodes is. Uh, they have to save Hydra in order to save S.H.I.E.L.D. Because they try to take out um, Wolfred Malick. Uh, or Frederick Malick. Wow, going Freddy. way back there. Deep cuts from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh yeah, there's some definitely deep, deep cuts in the opening. Yeah, so Freddy is the that, that one moment in time that could take out S.H.I.E.L.D. forever. And then it becomes this whole thing. They end up leaving um, their, their Chromacom buddy um, in the Aww. past. And he becomes a bartender. Him. Patton Oswalt comes back as the original of uh, the Aww. the family. The, all the, tr- the this, clones, yeah. yeah the, or they're not or brothers. Brothers, they're all brothers. brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The just the siblings and the one sister. Um, but it's it's been a fun ride. I think they kind of were given the the green light to just fuck with everything and make a story because right now the way that everything is playing out, this is not the continuity of the normal Marvel cinematic universe so because they're changing so many things uh wolfram malik lives like it's all these different like crazy crazy things so every choice they make it's it's amplifying and so yeah they've completely gone off into this parallel okay cool well i mean that's awesome in in, um what was it endgame they established that the multiverse yeah yeah they they can do whatever they want in the past right oh for sure because now you wandavision is gonna um going to deal more with that which will then lead into dr strange uh and the multiverse of madness so yeah I, I i feel like they were just given carte blanche to really just have fun with it and um i mean uh daniel Sousa is supposed to die and he's part of the reason why shield uh agents give their you know are, are so dedicated that they would give their lives to make sure a mission happens and they basically pluck him out of time they send lmd colson in and, and make him be the one that dies so they pluck susa out of out of uh time and make that story still happen 
but now he's part of the team and it's this whole fun adventure um and this this last episode was really um our friend jay abbott had compared it to a different movie but basically <laughs> the chronicoms and colson were like the, the sybil was put into um into the power supply when he blew up everything and she inhabited a computer and they like and basically enchanted a guy into making a robot body for her and it became this whole thing like it was it's ridiculous and hysterical wow and if you ever want to see a cover band that takes credit for their song for creating songs that won't be out for years they do a whole thing where deke oh i love starts deke. up a band and he's singing um don't you forget about me <laughs> and like all these other songs um and he's taking credit that they're his songs it's it's ridiculous and fantastical at the same time uh my my major one up is uh is the singer max max schneider he goes by max m-a-x and um i had not heard about him I, apparently he's been around for a couple of years now as a recording artist and done well um i only found out about him probably a month and a half ago because he released a song with Haley Kiyoko called Miss Calls. And I it's this very like chill jam that I fell in love with. And I've gone and I've listened to some of his other stuff. And it is so it's so oddly like gay fun dance that I was really kind of shocked when I found out he wasn't gay. So <laughs> But it's just very, it's all very chill, like, dancey, fun music. So if you're looking for something to, to kind of bop around the house to, check out Max um, on YouTube or on your favorite streaming device. Um, if you don't, you know, obviously if Max isn't enough, uh, Max Schneider is his name. Um, but all of this stuff is listed under Max. So go check it out. And with that, dear listeners, we thank you for hanging out with us this month. Remember to check us out uh, at flameonshow.com and follow us on social media and head over to patreon.com forward slash flameonshow to become a patron. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. And until next time, peace, bitch. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.